Welcome to A Real Nurse, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angela Thomas. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of A Real Nurse, the podcast. Recently, a friend of mine shared something on social media that her husband had shared with her. And I asked if it would be okay if I shared it with you, the listening audience. I thought it would be a good lead into tonight's episode on A Real Nurse the Podcast. And it goes like this. If you are above the age of 55, this is for you. Between the age of 55 and death, it's time to use your money that you've saved. Use it and enjoy it. Don't just keep it for those who may have no notion of the sacrifices you've made to get it. Remember, there is nothing more dangerous than a son or daughter-in-law with big ideas for your hard-earned capital. This is also a bad time for investments, even if it seems like a wonderful or foolproof idea. The only thing it will bring is problems and worries. This is a time for you to enjoy some peace and quiet. Stop worrying about the financial situation of your children and grandchildren. And don't feel bad spending your money on yourself. You've taken care of them for many years and you've taught them what you could. You gave them an education, food, shelter, and support The responsibility is now theirs to earn their own money. Keep a healthy life without great physical effort. Do moderate exercise like walking every day. Eat well and get your sleep. It's easy to become sick and it gets harder to remain healthy. That is why you need to keep yourself in good shape and be aware of your medical and physical needs. Keep in touch with your doctor, do tests even when you're feeling well, and stay informed. Always buy the best, most beautiful items for your significant other. The key goal is to enjoy your money with your partner. One day one of you will miss the other, and the money will not provide any comfort then, so enjoy it together. Don't stress over the little things, you've already overcome so much in your life. You have good memories and bad ones. But the important thing is be present. Be present in the moment. Don't let the past drag you down and don't let the future frighten you. Feel good in the now. Small issues will soon be forgotten. Regardless of age, always keep love alive. Love your partner, love life, love your family, love your neighbor, and remember A good man is not old as long as he has intelligence and affection. Be proud, both inside and out. Don't stop going to your hair salon or barber. Do your nails. Go to the dermatologist. Go to the dentist. Keep your perfumes and your creams well stocked. When you are well maintained on the outside, it seeps in and makes you feel proud and strong. Don't lose sight of fashion trends for your age, but keep your own sense of style. 
You've developed your own sense of what looks good on you. So keep it and be proud of it. It's part of who you are. Always stay up to date. Read newspapers. Watch the news. Go online and read what people are saying. Make sure you have an active email account and try to use some of those social media networks. You'll be surprised what old friends you'll meet. Respect the younger generation and their opinions. You may not always have a, you may not always have the same ideas and you may not always agree, but they are the future and will take the world in their direction. Give advice, not criticism, and try to remind them that yesterday's wisdom still applies today. Never use the phrase, in my time. Your time is now. As long as you are alive, you are part of this time. Some people embrace their golden years while others become bitter and surly. Life is too short to waste your days on the ladder. Spend your time with the positive, cheerful people. It'll rub off on you and your days will seem that much better. Spending your time with bitter people will make you feel older and harder to be around. Do not surrender to the temptation of living your children or grandchildren. If you have financial choice, that is. Sure, being surrounded by family sounds great, but we all need our privacy. They need theirs and you need yours. Even then, do so only if you feel it really will help you and you just cannot live by yourself anymore. Don't abandon your hobbies. If you don't have any, find some. Make new ones. You can travel, hike, cook, read, dance. You can adopt a cat or a dog, grow a kitchen garden, play cards, checkers, chess, dominoes, golf. Get out of the house. Meet people you haven't seen in a while. Experience something new or something old. Try important things and get out of the house from time to time. Go to museums and take walks through the park. Just get out. Speak in courteous tones and try not to complain or criticize too much unless you really need to. Try to accept situations as they are. Pains and discomfort come hand in hand when getting older. Try not to dwell on them, but accept them as part of life. If you've been offended by someone, forgive them. If you've been offended by someone, I'm sorry, if you've offended someone, apologize. Don't drag around resentment with you. It only serves to make you sad and bitter. It doesn't matter who was right. Someone once said, holding a grudge is like taking poison and expecting the other person to die. Don't take that poison. Forgive, forgive, and move on with your life. Laugh. Laugh away your words. Remember, you are one of the lucky ones. You manage to have a life, a long one. Many never get to this age. Never get to experience a full, wonderful life. May you value friends. Enjoy peaceful life at this point in your life. Don't worry. Be happy.
I hope what I just shared was insightful and really uh, beneficial to you. And it leads me into today's topic. Um, Over the last couple of weeks, I've really been focusing in on information more pertinent to the caregiver. But today, I would like to focus in on the parent, the one who may require the care. Um, And when I say we, I include myself in the equation because I am of that age and I'm a parent. And so we have to begin to think about our role in the situation. It is very important that we be proactive in our lives and take control of how we would like things to be for us. Um, I remember growing up... um, those who were influential in my life always told me that if I uh, fail to plan, then I plan to fail. And so this is no different. If you fail to plan the exit or the the downslope of your life, then you're left at the mercy of those caring for you. And it matters not what you've said to them. Uh, things change. And no matter what you think those uh, who care about you will do for you, that is not always the case. I've seen it time and time and time again. And my colleagues and I are always bewildered at some of the things that loved ones do when it comes to uh, the person uh, that uh, they're responsible for. And some of it is not due uh, to the fact that they don't care. It's just due to the fact that they're overwhelmed. All of a sudden, they're living their life and they have multiple things on their plate. And then, bam, uh, there is a unexpected uh, traumatic life-changing event that occurs to their mother or their father or grandparent or whomever it is, and they may be the only relative that steps forward or the only living relative that is available for that individual. And now they have to um, not only juggle their responsibilities for their life, but now they're responsible for that person's life. And then when they start digging into that person's life, uh, they don't even know where to begin because that person uh, either doesn't have things readily available or that person's life is a mess. Um, I remember maybe about a year ago, an individual shared a story in which uh, this person lived a very influential life. And so by all appearances, this person was financially set, uh, lived in a fantastic neighborhood, drove the best cars, wore the best clothes. And so by all out of appearances, this person was financially set only ate at the best restaurants, ran with the upper echelons of society. And when this person passed, did not even have assets uh, to be buried. And so, again, it, it can create a lot of hardships. According to a survey that was conducted by the Conversation Project, only 92% of us 
think about end of life wishes or talking to our loved ones. Uh, but only 32% of us actually have put our wishes into action, meaning that we've put together a plan or we've had that conversation. And when I read that, it made me think of my grandmother who, as a little girl, I remember her saying to me, hey, if something happens to me, she would point to this white dress because she was a mission and she would say, hey, that's my burial dress. And she would say, hey, this is my wig. Uh, that's my good wig. This this wig is only to go on my head at the time of my death. And she would say, I don't wear makeup, so make sure they don't have all that pancake makeup on my face. No, I don't want no red lipstick on my lips. Uh, her generation believed that red lipsticks were for harlots. And so she would say, I don't want that on my face. Uh, just some light powder and that's it. So this white dress, uh, this wig, and she would say that over and over again. Well, here's the issue with that. I was her granddaughter. She had at the time four kids. I wouldn't have had any power whatsoever in that. So her telling me that was just telling me that she really needed to have something in writing. So that's why it's important because if you don't put your wishes and make plans, having a conversation, that's all well and dandy, but you're still at the mercy of that person going through with what it is that you had a conversation. An attorney will tell you that having a conversation is hearsay if it's not in writing. Uh, in the world of healthcare, uh, it is well known that if it's not documented, it hasn't been done. So that's why it's important that while you are able uh, and and have the cognition to have the conversation. Uh, my mother used to think uh, she did not um, talk about death. It was very fearful of death. She did not attend funerals. Uh, she would go and uh, sit at the back of the church and have me go view the body and sign in for her. Uh, she just, death was not her thing. And so she didn't talk about it. The only thing she would say is, uh, it's just you and your sister. Uh, if anything that I have, y'all divide it equally. Don't let anybody divide you. And that was it. That was the conversation. Um, so if you don't put things into play, then you're left at the mercy of of whomever. And uh, I had attorney Jim Barley on uh, two weeks ago, a week before last, and he said, you may not like the outcome of whoever ends up being in charge. And here in the state of Texas, it goes by kinship. So if you're married, it would be your spouse. If you're not married, it would be your children. And it does not go according to age. So if you have three children, those three children have equal rights. And if they're not in agreement, then it becomes an issue and it ends up, it can end up going uh, through the court, which can be very, very costly. Uh, if you don't have children, then it goes to a parent. If you don't have parent, living parents, it'll go to sibling and so on and so on. Um, so 
take care of your business. So the first order of business is to get a document called an advanced directive or living will. This is where you give direction to your healthcare provider that talks about what your wishes are should you have a terminal illness or conditions that are irreversible uh, that will greatly impact your quality of life. And only you can decide what quality of life is for you. What quality of life looks like for me may not be the same that uh, it is for you. Uh, so you in that, you need to be very specific if a feeding tube is permanent, and that's the only way you'll be able to receive nutritional uh, supplement, you need to talk about that. Uh, dialysis, uh, if they if your kidneys fail and you need dialysis, do you, it, is it okay to have dialysis? Uh, and talk about if it's temporary, I'm okay with that versus if I'll be on dialysis for the rest of my life, which is called end-stage renal uh, disease. Uh, if you have to go on a ventilator, talk about that. If I have to go on a ventilator and it's temporary, uh, are you okay with that? Or if I have to go on a ventilator and it looks like that I'm going to be ventilator dependent, then talk about that. So you can say, look, if I have to go on a ventilator and it looks like it's just going to be temporary, I'm fine with that. But if it gets to a point where you can't get me off the ventilator and I'm going to become ventilator dependent at that point in time, I want to be taken off the ventilator. Um, then there are some people who say, I never want to be put on the ventilator. Uh, so that's, that's something that you have to sit with and something you have to consider and something you have to think about. Um, there are some people uh, who say that, um, you know, I, I can live with a feeding tube as long as, uh, I can function. I have full capacity of my brain, uh, meaning that I can make decisions. I can be a part of, uh, driving my care. Uh, so that's something else you have to talk about. You have to talk about if you suffer a traumatic brain injury. Uh, so you need to include that. If I have an anoxic brain injury, um, and there's varying degrees to an anoxic brain injury. There are some people who they can uh, process information. It may take them longer. Speech may be slurred. Where there are other people who we consider that they have a severe anoxic brain injury. Um, they may open their eyes, but they cannot track. They cannot talk. They cannot function. Uh, when you look at their EEG pattern, it's really nothing there. Um, they basically are just laying in the bed. They require total care. They, it, it, for all practically per, all practical purposes, um, they're they're pretty close to brain dead. So these are things that you have to consider and you have to be very specific with. And when you are going in for procedures, these are things that you have to talk about. You know, when doctors come in, they have to give full disclosure uh, about the risk associated with any procedure. And you need to get very specific and ask questions. And unfortunately, among uh, minorities, um, we have to be very, very proactive when it comes to our health care. There are countless studies out there that shows the disparity between our, what we receive in health care versus um, 
uh, others. And so we the days of just seeing that that's the doctor and uh, doing whatever the doctor tell us is long gone. You have to be proactive in your health care and take responsibility for what's going on with your health. Uh, there was an article written um and posted in the Houston Chronicle. And unfortunately, in my haste to leave the office on Friday, I left the folder on my desk um, because I wanted to give the date in which the article was posted in the Houston Chronicle so you could go and pull it from the archives for yourself. But it was a lady who um, had failed at home and needed to have hip surgery. And she had the surgery ended up with complications, had uh, to have, um, she had a stroke and said that um, had she known um, what all was involved uh, and had known what questions to ask, um, if she had to do it all again, she wouldn't have had um, the surgery. Based on the type of fracture she had, uh, she just felt like she would have made a different decision. Her quality of life went down dramatically. And so it, it, it's really important to do your due diligence and ask the right questions. Um, and, and it's a fine line between doing due diligence and trying to play web MD, but you really do need to be proactive and asking the right questions. And and don't let doctors just walk in, walk in and walk out. I had that happen with a client not too long ago. She was very upset and she said, they just walk in and they just want to talk and walk out. And I said to her, you have to be forceful and say to them, stop. I'm not through talking. I am paying for a service. I don't know why that when it comes to health care, we allow doctors to do what we don't allow other service providers to do. You are paying for a service, um, be it indirectly, because when you pay your premiums, they take that money out that you still are paying for a service, and then you still have a 20% or 25% or whatever your copay is. You're paying for a service. And so for you to allow someone to come and say, everything's okay, looking good, yeah, 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 and walk out, it's unacceptable. If you have questions, that you need answered, you need to be able to say to that physician, I, I don't understand what you're saying, especially if they come in speaking medical terms in which you don't understand. Hey, wait a minute. I don't understand what it is that you're saying. Or you have the right to say, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm going to get my representative, my responsible party on the phone. And I want you to say to them and explain to them what it is that you're saying to me. And if you have a doctor that is saying to you, I don't have time for that. Guess what? That is not the doctor for you. And you have the right to say to that doctor, you know what? Obviously, you're not the doctor for me. You're too busy to be concerned about my health care and my health care needs and my concerns. Therefore, I'm going to look for me another doctor. And I think that if more people start taking that kind of initiative, it will make doctors uh, uh, be more accountable and held to providing service. And I know they're busy and I know they're just trying to build. They're just trying to build. But your very life depends on them being accountable and answering your questions. You cannot make an informed decision without all of the information. It will blow your mind as to how many times they will tell either the patient 
or the patient's responsible party, you're stable. Everything is fine. Or um, you're making progress. And that's not a lie. You're stable at that time. But they will go out and write over long-term or overall progress is poor. And so when you have someone who's already afraid and who wants to live, because all of us want to live, if they hear that, they're never going to face the reality of at some point in time, I'm not going to make it from this particular situation. And if they have all of the information, they may choose to go home and spend that valuable time with their family. But if you keep hearing you're stable, you're making progress, you will never face the reality that at some point in time, and that point in time can be six months. But would you rather spend six months in a hospital tied to machines undergoing uncomfortable procedures versus going home and being with the people that you care about and love. It matters not to me which one you choose. The issue that I have is you're not being able to make an informed decision and having all the pieces of the puzzle to make that decision. The next thing is making sure that you have a will. Um, Again, that's so crucial. You need to have a will for your estate. And we dispelled the myth before that an estate has nothing to do with great wealth. It has to do with making sure that items that are important to you get to the people that you want it. You want them to go to. So even if you cannot afford an attorney, you can get a piece of paper and say, I, being of sound mind, Leave the following. And if it's, you know, it could be a fishing pole that you want to go to a particular individual. It could be your book of recipes. It could be these fantastic recipes that you've had for years. And and it's somebody that you uh, have been cooking with. It could be a little kid on the street or someone in the neighborhood or whomever who really enjoy your recipes. And, and they're going to value them. They're just not, it's not going to be somebody that's going to come in. And when they clean out your house, just going to toss them to the side because the, this book recipes can be very important to you, but you can leave them to someone who will treasure them the way that you have. Um, so just making sure that that's in, in place um, and making sure that all of your important papers are somewhere where they can be easily found. Um, whoever you decide to leave in charge of your important paperwork uh, should be a trustworthy person, and they so they should know where all of your um, important papers are. A lot of us are doing things electronically, and it requires a password, so that should be a part of your your paperwork. So, for example, for me, I have various policies, including policies through my job, uh, accident, hospitalization, and things of that nature. So, I have all those policy numbers listed. I have my HR number. A part of that so that if something happened to me, my children know who to call. I also have a part of that information, how long I have to be out. 
before they can access that policy. That way um, they know to hold on and tap into those resources before they have to tap into other resources uh, so they can keep things afloat. Because when things happen to you and you become incapacitated, your obligation, your financial Financial obligations do not stop. And so you want to make sure that that individual uh, can uh, take care of your responsibilities, which lead me into making sure that you have a financial power of attorney. If you do not have a financial power of attorney, they will not be able to take care of your your financial responsibilities. So you need to name and have a financial power of attorney. A letter from a doctor or a letter from a, uh, from a medical institution stating that you've had a stroke or that you are in a hospital and you're not able to take care of uh, your financial business is not going to be enough to get them what they need to take care of your um, financial needs. So that's very important. Then it's very important to uh, put in place um, wh- what you want your life to look like. Uh, One of the things that was talked about um, in the information that I read was you shouldn't want to bank on living with your children. Uh, They need their privacy and you need yours. That should be a last resort. So you need to start thinking about if it gets to a point that you can no longer live on your own, where will you live? So if you own a home, do you plan on selling it and then going into an assisted living or going into a personal care home or going into a nursing home? Do you or do you plan on if you have the assets, do you plan on having a care provider coming to your home? Um So these are things that you need to think about. Or if you have long-term care insurance, if you took out long-term care insurance through your employer uh, where you can go into a facility, then you need to think about and be honest with yourself when you start seeing the changes where you can no longer um, um, stay in your home, why you can make the decision then you need to start doing your research and taking tours and finding a facility for you and that's hard. Uh, I, I'm a typical type A personality. Um, and denial is not our friend. And we all go through the denial. It's, it's part of the process. But denial can be an enemy to us. And not recognizing when it is time can leave us in a pickle. And um, then we're at the mercy of someone else choosing where we spend our final days and we may not like it. So if you notice that uh, your walk is slowing down to the point that you're at a fall risk, you're beginning to trip. Uh, When you drive, you notice that it's hard for you to see, especially at night to the point that people are honking their horns at you. Um, And not just because, um, I mean, you're driving way below the speed limit, which is which is a danger. Um, you're forgetting to take your medication. You can't even remember if you took your medicine. Uh, the, the signs are there and it's easy to be in denial. It really is. Um, 
it, it's just becoming really dangerous and it's hard, but you really have to put your big girl or your big boy pants on and say, you know what? I need help. And when you can say to yourself and when you can look in the mirror and say, I need help, that's when you have to make the decision. You know what? Before I fall and break my hip, because that can leave you that can really impact your uh, quality of life and make you more um, or less independent. Um, you know what, before all this happened, it, it's time for me to go and, and start looking at uh, changing um, my living arrangements. I know here in Texas, there are a lot of uh, senior housing apartments and they are big on, a lot of them have elevators. Uh, they're big on social activity to make sure you stay socially engaged and socially in, uh, involved. Uh, and they offer uh, transportation so that if you can no longer drive, uh, they have particular days where they go uh, and take you to the market and bring you back. So there are a lot of options so that if you can't drive anymore, you have options. And now we live in the day of Uber. So you can pay uh, 10, $15, however much it is, depending on how far your apartment is from the grocery. Uh, or you can now we live in the days where your groceries can be delivered to you. So it's just a matter of finding what works best for you and putting those things in place so that you can maintain your independence for as long as possible in a manner that works for you before someone has to come in and make decisions and make decisions that or not necessarily what you would want for your life. Um, then we have to take responsibility for our health. That means that we have to, we have a role in maintaining a healthy lifestyle. You cannot eat any and everything all the time the way you want it and then be overweight because that puts uh, excess strain on your heart, your, your knees, and uh, uh, um, just your overall way of life. So we have to take responsibility and have a decent diet. We need to stay active and we need to stay socially engaged and involved. There are countless studies out there that shows that uh, all of these things are interrelated. And when we stay socially engaged, it just is better for us and uh, keep us involved. I remember as a kid, uh, my grandmother was uh, her her socialization came through her church and her the various organizations through the church. And when she was home, uh, the other activity that she really enjoyed doing was gardening and baking. And she always was working a puzzle book. And I mean, she had a trunk full of those puzzle books. And now I understand that that really was great stimulation for her brain, that those books um, probably pay, played a great role in her mental sharpness. So um, again, just staying uh, uh, mentally sharp and don't be afraid to learn new things and embrace technology because it's not going anywhere. And for those uh, around you, sometimes you have to be honest enough to tell uh, that individual when you start seeing changes and some uh, changes that um, you uh, can look for is that if you notice a change in, in their appearance, this person um, usually was always put together, but now they looked unkept. Um, 
you notice that when you go places with them, their driving is not uh, as precise. Uh, and also, uh, you notice a difference in their stride. Uh, they stumbling more. It's time to be a friend and have this conversation or be um, that daughter uh, or, or son and say mom or dad. And remember, it's all in delivery. It's all in tone. Uh, people are more receptive in how you say it. Uh, you can't come at people and just demand or tell them something because remember, we all have our pride and we are all uh, have our level of independence. And so for somebody to come in and just say it any kind of way, it, it, it's not going to work. Decide, um, again, uh, where you're going to live, put the, put these things in place and be proactive in it and have this plan. Uh, because again, if you don't decide, someone will decide for you and you may not like where it is that you end up, uh, going. And if you end up having to live with uh, your children, have that conversation up front, what that will look like, what the ground rules will be, uh, and an understanding. I know um, there are some people who the ch- uh, the children will buy a home that includes a in-law suite. Um, some of them have their own entrance so that the uh, in-law does not interfere with the overall dynamics of the home where that parent can come and go as they please. Uh, They don't have to necessarily interact unless they want to. And that leaves um, the the children the ability to have their uh, independence and the house is not disturbed and the grandparent doesn't feel like they have to entertain and vice versa and, and doesn't have to be bothered with grandkids unless they want to. And that's an ideal situation, but sometimes it's not always that way. Um, if that's something that you know is going to happen and you're a homeowner or you have the financial assets, but maybe they don't want to um, uh, buy a new home. They like their neighborhood. Is their home big enough to add an in-law suite? And you may want to take the funds from the sale of your home and have that built uh, so that when the time comes, um, that's something that can be done. So again, these are things that need to be talked about and planned for. Uh, I had a situation not too long ago where uh, the individual is going to take their mom home, um, but she had um, stairs that led into her home and it, it held up the discharge because she had to have a ramp, a way to even get her mom in in the home because the lady was now wheelchair bound. So again, uh, just you have to have the foresight to think about these things. Include your primary care physician in your in your conversation about your your planning. And I should have probably added this and tagged this with the advanced directives. But your PCP should have a copy of your advanced directives. And it's a conversation you should have with your primary care physician, letting him know what your wishes are so that uh, it's not a secret and they know where your head is uh, because usually your primary care physician is will be the one that will be directing your care should you uh, go into the hospital. And lastly, uh, you should uh, go ahead and consider prearranged funeral um, 
information, uh, talking with a funeral uh, director and putting um, that into play. When you make prearranged funeral um, arrangements, uh, you lock in at that price um, and it includes everything. You can include your, your, your coffin. It can include the family car, opening and closing of the grave. Um, uh, I, I think programs, if I'm not mistaken, but you lock in. So whether you die five years, 10 years, 20 years down the line, you're locked in at that price. Uh, even if you decide you want cremation, I still advise that you go ahead and make prearranged funeral um, uh, plans so that that's one less thing that your family has to worry about and things are done to your specification. Um, you know, if not, again, someone is going to make the plans that they they think you want, but it's more about what they want. And um it, it, it just saves a lot of time and a, and a lot of heartache. Uh, I went and made mine. Um, my headstone is down. Uh, my name is there. The only thing that have to be chiseled in is the date of my departure. Uh, I have had to make too many uh, funeral arrangements for a mother, a father, a sister, uh, and a couple of aunts and an uncle. And it's a position that is not uh, one that is uh, pleasurable at all. And so if I can lessen the experience for my children, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, and also, I do not want a long, drawn-out uh, funeral service. I don't want a whole bunch of people up talking. Uh, my philosophy and belief is that anyone who's important to me should have said and, and done what they needed to do while I was alive. So there's no sense in allowing 50 gazillion people getting up, speaking, doing the service. Uh, if they didn't tell me or say it to me while I was alive, there's no point in saying it, when I'm saying it when I'm dead. So you need to be very specific about what it is that you want. I've had some people even uh, write their own obituary. So while you're able to do what it is that you want to do, I advise that you do so. So I hope that you find uh, this information beneficial. It is the main reason that I created this podcast because in my line of work, I've seen time and time and time again situations that can be avoided if people would just go ahead instead of leaving the thoughts in their heads as I started this podcast off with, uh, with information from the survey saying that 92% of people think about it, but only 32% of people implement the plan. If people would just go ahead and pull the trigger and implement the plan, it would save a lot of heartache, uh, a lot of uh, broken up families uh, as a result of fights and time. And money, because for those who have any assets, attorneys will come in and sweep up a lot of those assets because of fighting. And I can also tell you that if there's no advanced directives and children are involved and two children say take the loved one off life support and one child say, no, don't take them off life support. They're not coming off life support. 
because remember what I shared earlier, the one child does not outweigh uh, the other. If if there's three children, all three children have to agree. If they cannot agree, doctors are not going to get involved in that and they're going to leave them on. So it's very important to have your things in order and we have a role in it. You should not want to sit back and wait and, and let them have to figure it out. I think it's selfish and I think it's irresponsible. So the purpose of this podcast is hopefully to lessen the, the, the number of times I run across having to see this occur. Uh, it's to educate, encourage, enlighten. And so I hope you find this helpful. Until next week, stay encouraged, stay blessed. And one last thing, I, I have to say this. Um, it's a little off topic. It's been a very heavy week. Um, with the ruling on Breonna Taylor. And so I must say how crucial it is in order for us to vote. We must let our voices be heard. We must get to the polls and we must vote. If you know of individuals who cannot make it to the poll, then we need to pick them up. We pick up our friends to do everything else. We go out go to dinner. Uh, we stand in lines for anything else. We have to go to the polls and we have to vote. The notion of not voting is not acceptable. We may not see uh, the ramifications of it, but our children and their children will. We have to understand that not only do we have to stay engaged in this presidential election, but we must stay engaged on our state level elections. We must begin to hold the Senate and the House representatives accountable. If they are not doing their jobs and representing the people of the United States, we must begin to move these people out. We have to stop voting for people because they look like you. We must hold them we must hold them accountable based on their credentials, what they're doing, and if they're not doing the job during the next election, we need to let our voice be heard and we need to get somebody else in. And if they're not doing the job, then we need to get them out. The laws are not made by the president. The laws are made by your House, Senate, House of Representatives. So while we do need to vote in this presidential election, we have about we woke. We have to stay woke on our state level as well and hold these people accountable. So, again, please, please go out and vote. We cannot stay divided the way that we are. It is called the United States of America. And nowhere in the definition of united does it say a divided country. A divided house cannot stand. So with that, have a good evening. Stay safe, and I will see you next week. Peace.
Blessings.